Howdy folks, and welcome to the Year 2 Podcast brought to you by The Battalion. I'm Dylan Portovan. And I'm Alec Addo, and we're your number one source for everything Texas Aggie football. This week we have Brian Bass, our assistant sports editor, joining us as a guest. Hey, I appreciate y'all having me on. It's been a long time coming. This is a part of the Year 2 Podcast. This is going to be a part of a big series that includes videos, articles uh, from every sport, every desk here at the Battalion, and it's going to be covering uh, the second year of Jimbo Fisher here at Texas A&M. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Yep. This week we'll be discussing expectations for the team going into the 2019 season, along with our takes on the home opener against Texas State on Thursday. So what y'all think, guys? I think it's exciting times because it's time to see what all the hype was on our class of 2018. Our class of 17 recruits were not bad themselves, so it's time for them to step up. So it's, it's, it's exciting times considering that it's that potential we talked about with the recruiting classes that Jimbo Fisher was going to bring in, and then a summer and offseason with Jimbo Fisher in place, putting in his, his systems, coaching and getting everybody accustomed to how he does things. This is the new norm for Texas Aggie football. Last year was kind of a transition period, I feel like, and now this is this is what to expect. Yes, sir, I completely agree. I think Jimbo set, uh, obviously when he came to College Station, there was a huge buzz about him, everything, and, and I think over the course of the season, the fan base truly embraced him, especially the end there. With that win over LSU, the yep. bowl game was phenomenal, and I think he's setting a standard here at the school that we are, just like I said, it's not going to be like it used to be. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to establish ourselves as a SEC powerhouse. And I think it's just a crucial season for him this year two for him, obviously. Um, seeing how we can build off of that mm-hmm. and especially launching ourselves into the future of his uh, regime here at Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big year. I mean, the last thing that anybody wants to see here with Jimbo uh, is regression uh, from mm. what the norm was last year. I mean, he set the bar extremely high for himself uh, for this next season. And when you lose a lot of guys like he did last year with his team, it's going to be hard to match something like what we're doing this year with the schedule that we're playing. And we thought that the schedule last year was was hard, but now we're going to be playing teams that are in the top six, four of the top six teams in the mm-hmm. nation we will be eventually playing against. And uh, two of those teams are back-to-back. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, you know, with this. So it'll be tough to see if we'll get to where we were last year, which I think is a, I think is a tough call, Mm. uh, or if we're going to regress a little bit and then work our way back up. But you were here this summer and you saw a whole bunch of players in action and that's really important because this is our first sign of them on the Texas A&M football team, seeing them in the maroon and white. And so in the summer, who did you notice and think that played pretty well in practice, earned them way, earned their stripes, did what they had to do from the class of 18, 19? Well, I think something that's really important that we all recognize is uh, the fact that we lost what, who was supposed to be our, or projected to be our starting tight end in Baylor Cup. Mm-hmm. Broke his leg or ankle, whatever the call it was. Um, and now you have to work with either Glenn Beal, who's returning from last year, saw a limited time, but he did play. And then we also have Jalen Wiedermeyer, or Weidermeyer rather. And Weidermeyer was recruited along with Baylor Cup. 
obviously when you're b- below Baylor Cup in those rankings, you're going to get overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. But when I saw him in, tra- in, in training camp, in, in fall camp, I saw this kid, and he was like, he had one of those things where he was wearing the hoodie in the back, you know? Okay. And uh, I was, I was, I was like, he's cold. Out. I was like, he's cold. He looked iced out. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's cold. And so, you know, I saw, also saw Baylor, and I know that Jalen was number 85, and Baylor was 88. And um, I saw both of them, and Baylor was dropping passes. He was dropping, or he was dropping catches. He was running. He looked tired. He was running some kind of sloppy routes. And then here comes Jalen. And Jalen is running with like no holds barred, running really queen routes, quick looks and steps, jab, jab steps, mm-hmm. getting the right catches, getting upfield quickly. It was impressive, and it was really impressive. And I think that's somebody that no nobody's really talking about is Jalen Weidermeyer. The coaches like Weidermeyer from everything mm-hmm. that I have heard. They really like him. I personally really like him as well. I think this is the guy who should start week one. He probably won't because Glenn Beal does have that experience. Yeah. And, and ultimately, tr- that trumps a lot of other things. And Weidermeyer is a true freshman. And he's a true freshman. This is the first college game he's ever going to see. Mm-hmm. Now, given it is against Texas State, this is not your run-of-the-mill Texas State team. Mm-hmm. This is a Texas State team that has 19 to 20 returning starters, and it depends on who you're talking to. Um, and how you and feel it, about them. And how you really feel about them. So we'll see. But I like Weidemeyer. I think that is the guy to look for uh, for newcomer of the year for this football team. Yes, sir. We'll see. And, and just going back to what you were saying, I, I think there's healthy competition there. With uh, obviously Baylor Cup, That's a he, he was one of our big recruits of the, 2018, or the 2019 class. So just like you said, Weidemeyer gets a little overlooked. I think it promotes healthy competition and, you know, kind of ha- give give Weidermeyer a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And that promotes everybody, the whole unit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And now, unfortunately, with uh, Cup's injury, it, it will be up to the other two guys to see kind of what happens. And uh, I just, I, I like that idea of healthy competition. And I think it's going to be good seeing where that unit can go, especially after the loss of Sternberger. And we saw last year just how much we use a tight end in Jimbo Fisher's offense. Sternberger went off, and, you know, if Weidemeyer proves himself, gets in a starting position, and becomes a reliable target for Kellen Munn, then we could possibly see that same type of production out of him. But that same type of theme of a young player coming in, having to prove their stripes, that's common around the whole Texas A&M football team, where it's, hey, it's put up or shut up time, you're talented, you're a top recruit, let's see what we can do. And we see that on the defensive side, too. We talked about it yesterday. Leon O'Neal Jr. and Anthony Hines. Those are two t- uh, talented recruits that, hey, it's your defense now. It, let's see what you can do. What, what do you expect from the defense this year? How are you feeling about them, Dylan? I'm feeling really good about the defense. Uh, I think uh, there's some holes to fill. Obviously, with the loss of people like Tyrell Dodson, Ontario Locke of the Linebacking core, that's going to be my big question going into this uh, season. Uh, Anthony Hines, I was always really big on him. Unfortunately, obviously, last year he had that injury. But I think this year that's going to be his unit. Mm-hmm. And we got guys like Buddy Johnson helping him out. I, I just think linebacking, that's going to be the big question. But if those guys are solid, I see this Texas A&M defense doing some special things just as they did last year on the uh, defensive line. I'm very excited about uh, several players, especially Bobby Brown. Just 
Man's a, a man's a beast. He's huge. I'm excited to see what he does. Matabuke. Um, he's uh, on the watch list for the uh, help me out with the award. Allen. He's on uh, Allen watch list. Yes, sir. I mean, and he had huge numbers last year, and I think he's he kind of that. I, I think that's kind of. In terms, I think that's going to kind of be his unit, especially with that experience and that leadership that he'll bring. Your, what are your thoughts, Brian? Oh, uh, when it comes to this defense, uh, this is the most talented line that I think I've seen uh, come in here ready to prove themselves in a long time. Um, and um, when it comes to this other line, you know, it, it, this line, I mean, Michael, you got Michael Clemens, you got Tyree Johnson, guys that have, have yet to really prove themselves in the mm-hmm. field. Uh, now they're going to get that chance, and uh, same with Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown has gotten you know significantly more time than those two given, but you know those two guys being you know with with Tyree being the edge guy and Clemens being you know probably strong side defensive end guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Both of those guys are really hyped. When I I remember talking to um, talking to a couple of guys with the football team earlier this summer, and they were saying that you know. Uh, Tyree had just cut down on his weight, which is unbelievable because the yeah. guy's already just like in- incredible. He, he's shape. in incredible shape. I mean, he. I remember hanging out with him one time because we had a calm class together, and I thought, okay, this man. Of course, I understand why he was a highly touted recruit out of Washington D.C. He is ripped. He almost looks like a Greek god. And so to hear that over the summer he's cut even more, he's faster and lighter. I would be scared if I was an SEC right tackle or left tackle because. Tyree, he he got on the field last year. Now he's into his own, a full-on beast, ready to get unleashed. And Dan Moore, well, I remember when we were uh, at the press conference here back on, on Thursday, and he was talking about, well, man, it, it's tough trying to block Tyree because he will burn you. I mean, that's just period. I mean, he will burn you if you're a tackle and you're too slow. And I think that's what we're going to be seeing during te- during the Texas State game. I know that there are guys on that offensive line that are, you know, all-conference guys. <laughs> all-conference all guys. But you can't – even if you're an all-conference guy in some belt, you're going against guys that are going to be running incredible 40 times. And I want to really hear bold prediction. Well. I got bold prediction. Tyree Johnson and Michael Clemens will combine for at least four sacks against Texas State. Uh, I'd, I'd, right I'd, I'd up the ante on that one. I'd probably say that they probably five, all right, five sets. Let's go five sets. I'd say six combined. All right, at least. All right six out of the two starting the ABNs. Yeah, I will say combined. this about Texas A and M. I think you could argue we have a history of solid pass rushers. What with mm-hmm. Von Miller back in the days of the Big Twelve, and even replacing him after that, uh, Deshaun Hall was big for us in the Johnny Manziel era, and then obviously Miles Garrett. Um, and I think it's kind of. We're, we're going to have to start looking now for another set of guys going in there and establishing that Texas A&M pass rush that we've been familiar with mm-hmm. and establishing the return of the wrecking crew. And I think that's kind of a big uh, theme of this season is new faces. Um, the whole idea with the Jimbo Fisher project is that come into his uh, time, we're going to establish ourselves as a uh, dominant force and but that's not going to be made overnight. So this is kind of in his uh, second year. We're going to be seeing these new faces and seeing how that develops into truly what is his new team. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about uh, offensively speaking of uh, the running back position? A lot of big sho- or uh, big shoes to fill there with Travion gone now. See, I um I'm kind of 
let me I'll believe it when I see it. But I do understand and definitely kind of jump on the bandwagon and the train with Deshaun Corbin. My bad. Deshaun Corbin. Deshaun Corbin, from what Brian's been telling me, has been a beast in the summer. And you look at what he did last season. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a useless running back. Whenever we didn't need him, he did do what he Yeah, obviously, Craven was a guy, but he. In, in the moments that you got to see Deshaun Corbin play, he, he, he had big playmaking ability, and I'm mm-hmm. excited to see that on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to know that what what the way that he mocks his game after, and he, he models his game after Travion Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travion Williams was a guy that's going to get it done in any form or fashion, whether that's rushing or that's pass blocking or going out for your occasional catch. He's going to go out there and do that for mm-hmm. you. Uh, now you basically got a guy in there who is two inches taller than Travion, and he's also heavier than him. Mm-hmm. And now you got to work with that guy. So now you just got a heavier version of J- of Travion running up the middle and doing everything that he was just doing. So um, this past year, and not 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 to mention the kick returning abilities. I mean, ran a hundred yards back first play of the game against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, that may have been the play that. Ultimately, ultimately won the game for them there at the yeah, beginning. That kind of almost ranking. almost sealing, almost sealed that game. If there wasn't, if it wasn't for that play, uh, there's really no telling what A and M would have gone through in that game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Arkansas may have had a uh, single digit loss season instead of a double digit one. But um, I working with the rest of that running back core, Isaiah Spiller is special. Yeah, right. We were talking about this earlier. Um, Jim, when Jimbo Fisher brings up a player, especially a true freshman, up by himself before us asking about him, it's it's a special time for mm-hmm. that player, especially when yes. you're in fall camp. This is the first time that he he wasn't here for spring. He came in here in the in the summer and started okay. working in the summer. Right, that's even more significant. That's, so you're yeah. making a, you're making an impact that quickly, then you should be expecting some time. I personally believe that he should be a running back too, and even for the rest of that core. That's a very talented. That's a very talented group. Yeah. Cordarian Richardson was a guy that transferred from Central Florida here. Two forty, big boy. Yeah, be a good end big zone dude. threat. Oh yeah, bruiser. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Spiller's the same thing. Right. I'm looking forward to see what they do with this next year, or I'm sorry, this year. But the future is bright at that position. I have no doubt. See, uh, like I said, we have big shoes to fill with Travion leaving. But A and M was a powerhouse running the ball last year, and when you discuss uh, running the ball on the ground, you you have to look at the offensive line. So that's what I'm excited to see. One thing that you you could back up was that last year A and M offensive their the offensive line they made holes. They were one of the best units for mm-hmm. rushing the ball, and we have returning starters, and especially how we've been talking about freshmen. Kenyon Green on the line, mm-hmm. making uh, going all the way from third string starting. Uh, what did he start that way in fall camp? Yes, right. He was third string in fall camp, and then working his all the way up to. Uh, he could very well. It's looking like on the depth chart be. right now. He's he will be the he starter. He will start. He will start at right guard. So you, uh, you, you've been getting to see him. What do you think about Kenyon Green? Big dude. Um, really big guy. I mean, uh, weight wise, he's the heaviest guy on the line. Uh. He he has a frame. He ha- he has the frame and this the physical ability to start right now, and I think that's important. That's what we're what we're missing is that that's the reason why you don't see freshmen start at any offensive lineman position. They're either undersized mm-hmm. or they're underweight or they're overweight. 
one of the th- one of the three, and you got and and you got to mold them into that position. That usually takes a couple of years, and usually those guys will redshirt. Luke Matthews did it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing. There's that. There's nothing wrong with doing right. that. I mean, that wasn't Colton the Blanton, case. Colton Blanton did it, mm-hmm. and uh, Tank Jenkins did it. All of those guys are four stars. Yeah. But when you get a guy in here who's six five, three thirty, and looks like he probably could start for the Indianapolis Colts tomorrow, it's it's it, it looks it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean you got to start a guy like that. I've heard a lot about Kenyon Green and how he's not just big; he's nasty too. He's, he's a nasty he's guy. Very, he's like very he's nasty. Dirty. But I think one of the things that I also missed and I I failed to mention is that. This guy gets the offense. Oh yeah. From what I was from what Carson Green and Dan Moore told the press on Thursday, that's one of the major reasons why he has the job right now. Mm-hmm. He understands the offense. He understands his job, what he's supposed to do, and he wasn't supposed to be a guard coming out from high school. Yeah. He was supposed right. to be a tackle, tackle right? He, and and he, he has a he has size for a tackle, but I think that he's maybe just an inch short from that. Mm-hmm. I think when I'm thinking tackle, I'm thinking 6'5" maybe 320, 310, but he's 6'4", 330. Mm-hmm. That's interior line, period. Yeah. So now, I mean, that's like that's like Arkansas 2014, 2015 And Carson right Green there. and Dan Moore are returning uh, right and left tackles. They're, not, right. they're no jokes amongst themselves. Oh, they're no. Big, solid tackles with experience. Yes. So Carson Green, or Kenyon Green, coming in, and it's not. It's okay he's not starting that tackle. It's oh, yeah. okay that he's starting at, at right guard. It's probably better that way. Because he's gonna produce. That line is gonna be good. What did you call it uh, yesterday? What are they calling it? The Green Mile. The Green Mile. The right side. Yeah, the Green Mile. The right side. That right side of O line is gonna be good. And then, can you speak on Ryan McCollum? You've seen him a little bit. Our new center. Ryan McCollum was spring game MVP. That's that's all you. That's all you need to know. This guy. This guy's solid. And he he started last year. He got very good experience last year. And now he's gonna be backing up. Uh, you know he's going to be following up in Eric McCoy's shoes. Mm-hmm. Those are big shoes to fill. Yeah, but he is in those shoes now, and I think he's also. I think that right side of that line is going to be extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. If Jay Sean, if he's a, if they're able to, fit, you know, create a gap for Jay Sean, for Isaiah, mm-hmm. for Cordarian, for any of those guys, Jacob, it's it's going to be it's going to be really hard to block against that. I don't care if you're Clemson, Alabama. I think it's going to be extremely tough. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see how Kenyon does in this first game. I'd like to see how he does in pass pro. Mm-hmm. These guys are going to blitz. So, I'm going to I you know, I'm going to like to see what what they do here going forward. Um and of course, you know, as your second game in collegiate play and you're going to be playing Clemson on the road, yeah. the defending undefeated national champions on the road. That's, that's a test. That's a tall. That's a tall. You know, that's a tall, that's a tall order. To, that's a tall order to yeah to fill for sure. So uh, talking about the offensive line, you mentioned it there. Pass protection. We haven't even got to the receivers and telling. <laughs> we, have, we haven't gotten to the receivers. I think what really needs to be said about the receivers is that this is a this is a more experienced group. Totally, mm-hmm. they just need to focus on being healthy. Period. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Kendrick was in a boot. He needs to be getting healthier. He was having some uh, foot ankle swelling, wherever the case was. Uh, I didn't see him practice very much, but um, Caleb Chapman, Jalen Preston, two guys that we're going to be seeing a lot more of this year after right. they uh, redshirted their freshman season. Yeah, I'm really excited about Jalen Preston. I mean, the man coming out of high school, uh, big playmaking ability, similar to Courtney Davis there. Um, that's another man I'm really excited to see in his mm-hmm. uh, second year. Uh, we were talking about uh, Jimbo uh, talking about uh, bringing up players without uh, the press bringing them up. 
I know Courtney Davis was one of those characters, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited to see how he kind of blossoms in his sophomore season. Yeah, I'm really excited about our receiving core because we got Courtney Davis. We have Cameron Buckley right there to come in whenever they're tired. You got Kendrick Rogers. We know what he can do. If he's healthy, he's one of the better receivers in the SEC. And then Jamon Osmond. Jamon Osmond, he's been playing. He has probably more experience amongst the receiving core than anybody. Right. He and definitely he's has. just as talented. Yeah, just as talented. Uh, just uh, experience right there. And I think he's kind of a, a solid rock, a, mm-hmm. a good option to throw to. And coming I, out of the scene, coming out of the slot, getting into some out routes. You know, I think Jamon Osmond, because Sternberger was Kellen Mullen's security blanket last year. I think Osmond can come in and kind of be that same type of player for him. Right. Open in the middle. I, I see this uh, unit really blossoming this year, um, especially getting on to the man Kellen Mond mm-hmm. uh, coming into his junior season. If I, I, I know that uh, Jimbo Fisher was saying. This man is miles ahead of where he was at this point last season. And that's something I'm excited to see. Because if we get to see a jump in his productivity similar to what we saw from his freshman to sophomore year, Mm -hmm. you're you're looking at one of the elite quarterbacks of college football. Mm -hmm. I think that was I, I think Kellen Mond was a very solid quarterback and I think he was just shy of elite. I'm looking to see him make that kind of jump going into 2019. Yes, because I think last year he proved himself to be a good quarterback. He's not... I mean, the man threw for over 400 yards against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he had flashes. That's why I think that exactly. he really had. And uh, the the overwhelming narrative of what goes into quarterbacks there in their second year under Jimbo Fisher is that they make a, a, a tremendous improvement. Um, you know, when I'm out there and I'm seeing him, it's just like we got guys like Zach Calzada... We got James Foster, highly talented and blue, almost blue chip products. Mm-hmm. When I tell you that he is the best quarterback out in that field, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not even close. Fundamentally, he looks solid. I, I like the way that he looks. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he's able to fix some some of the minor details, maybe some footwork, uh, vision, some some of that stuff. Uh, maybe being a little bit more comfortable in the pocket, which shouldn't be a problem this year after what, everything right. that we just talked mm-hmm. about. And they got depth at that offensive line position as well. Mm-hmm. So this shouldn't be too much of an issue. I do expect to see improvement. Um, after all, I did draft him in fantasy this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did, I did, I, well, just to be honest, it wasn't biased. I was just like, okay, he was just the best quarterback available. Anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, I do expect to see some um, it, some real improvement this year. And I think, not to be too cliche with it, but this team goes as far as the quarterback can take it. I mean, you can say that for a lot of teams. You can make that statement about football in general. But when you look at our defensive side, our defensive front seven is solid. I like our defensive front seven. We're going to get pass rushers. We got Buddy Johnson. We need Anthony Hines to step up, and he's capable of that. So I like our front seven. But our secondary, besides Leon O'Neal, it leaves questions for comfort. Along that same theme, we're talking about new faces with potential. Elijah Blades, you were talking about him earlier, the best uh, Juco recruit we picked up. He's uh, projected to come in, not start at the cornerback position, but contribute. If we can get some good productivity out of him, then you know maybe maybe our secondary is solid enough. But there's question marks there, so you know teams are gonna throw the ball against our defense because our defense is gonna be a better on the front seven compared to our back four. If Kellen Munn can match that energy, if he can 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 go toe to toe with Clemson and Trevor Lawrence, with two in Alabama, 
I mean, that's what it's going to take. And our offensive line is formidable. It can have, it can handle the Clemsons and the Alabama of the world. Our wide receiving core is top-notch. Our offense has that potential to keep up with them. And it's Kellen Munn that's going to be pushing that train forward, making sure it runs. And I'm excited because I also expect some type of progression as well. Even if it's just... That same leap from freshman year to sophomore year to sophomore year. I mean, that was a huge leap. That was a huge leap. If we get something like that, hey, man, our brutal schedule, we might come out still looking pretty fine. One of the things, well, I was going to talk to you about about secondary, but just briefly. Um, right. This, I mean, this secondary, I think the major theme is how much can we improve in one year? Mm-hmm. We lost a, we lost a couple of guys. Donovan Wilson lost Donovan Wilson, um, but we also bring a couple of guys back under a defensive coordinator whose specialty is with the uh, with secondary guys. And Elijah Blades, this could be one of the guys that starts piecing the secondary together. I talked about this in uh, my five guys to look out for in 2019 article. I told I I personally believe that Elijah Blades will be the guy to watch. Mm-hmm. Starting when he's when he starts, and I think he will start at some point in the season. I don't think Miles Jones is going to be able to keep up with that position uh, all season long. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, that's that's just me being honest with you. Uh, but another thing that's going to be a little bit more concerning to me is how is Damani Richardson going to be coming into that into that role? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got Kenyon Green starting at right guard. You know, he's suited for that position. Now is Damani Richardson? He's the other true, true freshman starting. I'm I'm gonna be watching him a lot this this mm-hmm. next game. How is he gonna fit into this secondary and uh how has he done in over the past couple of months or few months that he's been here? I think that will be truly evident in this first game and especially in that second game. So, um and then the rest of the defense I think had a lot left a lot to be desired, but I don't think it was with I don't think it was um out of reach to where they really wanted to be this season. So I'm looking forward to see what, how that goes uh, goes along. And let's just see. What are your expectations for Kellen Munn? Like, let's throw some stats out there. Let's be bold with it. I'm thinking we get 3,700 passing yards, 650 rushing yards, 30 passing touchdowns, 8 rushing touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. Uh, I mean, those are around the numbers that I was thinking as well. Uh, maybe like three, uh, 3,800, uh, something around that area. I wouldn't be surprised if he passed for 4,000, if mm-hmm. I'm being really honest with you. Yeah, I mean, those, guys, those guys, I mean, all those guys have significant amount of, uh, of experience. I think those tight ends can also make some really mm-hmm. big plays when they need to, and they will have to. And then, of, of course, you'll have uh, running backs also being able to take some receptions there yeah. in the, uh, when they need to. So, uh, And then, of course, you know how well he is. On his feet, uh, I don't know if he'll exactly go for that many rushing yards, just because yeah, I, feel I could like see him be... kind of digressing in rushing yards, just because I could see him sitting back in the pocket. Yeah, that's kind of what Jimbo likes to teach, and just mm-hmm. sit back in the pocket, let him right. deliver out to that talented receiving core, and uh, I could see a big year, not just for yards. just like uh, Brian said. Yeah, I could see that. Um, do I think it's going to happen? I I don't think so. That's but a long I, shot, but it, I think it's, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very possible. So it's start um, starting with this with this first game. I think starting with this first game, he's not going to play the entire game. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean this, the line against Texas State is thirty four and a half. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play the entire game. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I I mean I think he'll end up throwing two hundred and fifty yards, two hundred seventy five yards before he gets 
pulled because I mean he does have a game against Clemson mm-hmm. and uh, in a week and two days after that. So um, we'll see for sure. So getting onto that, what are y'all's expectations for this Texas State game? I think I think Texas State gets at maximum seventeen points on us, and I think we get about forty five to fifty six points. I'm gonna go with forty six thirteen. No, no, fifty six thirteen. And then wins it, and Kellerman gets four touchdown passes, and then he chills out. Yeah, I think uh, we hang about uh, similar to that, 45, maybe like 54 points offensively. I think we give up uh, defensively, uh, just because you know we're gonna be we're we're gonna be subbing in a lot of guys, a lot of new guys. They do have a lot of returning starters. I wouldn't be surprised if they get uh, 14 to 17 points. I think that's a safe bet. Um, make no mistake, the game's not going to be close. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it will be a big opportunity for Texas A&M to go out there, uh, kick the season off right. Uh, and really, the thing I'm going to be looking forward to the most of this game is getting to see not just new faces starting, but just getting to see all those guys that have been hyped up for that 2019 yep. uh, recruiting class getting to see them play. I'm very excited. Uh, we were talking about the secondary earlier. Uh, just a personal one of my favorite players, Leon O'Neal Jr. I think he's a, uh, at the very least, he is a vocal leader on mm-hmm. the team. And the opportunity for him to get to start now, I think that's going to be something special. So I'm excited to see what he does. And I think that's something that that unit uh, could really embrace. And I think it's something they need. I, I think you need someone who in that secondary unit who's going to who, who's going to be a dog going to mm. sit there going to lead his team and make oh, sure everyone's down. make sure everyone's heads are up when things go down mm. and also just keeping the team alive and that energy is going to be necessary because versus Texas State you 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 don't want to versus anyone you don't want to sleep on them mm. Jimbo Fisher said they have not mentioned Clemson one time in That's their meetings right. yeah. he uh we and, and that's important because when you start sleeping on teams, you get results like Appalachian State over Michigan. Mm-hmm. You get upsets, and that's not something that we need to start with. Mm-hmm. Especially not this season. Um, what I expect from Texas State is that I, I expect somewhere like I think the score, the exact score I'm thinking of is uh, 59-21. That's the, that's the score that I'm thinking of when I first think of this game. Um, that also covers the line that I'm thinking about. Uh, my, but my mind doesn't revolve around Vegas. The, the, only thing, the only thing that I'm thinking about when it comes to this is uh, Brian London is a serious ball player. Um, this guy recorded, uh, led the team in tackles last year, one of the 10 guys that they return on defense. I believe the number, and I may be wrong on this, was 141 tackles last year as a middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, linebackers are going to be the guys to get the most tackles, but 141, I mean, wow. And 12 games, that doesn't include a bowl game because they didn't make it to a bowl game. Yeah, that's 10 plus a game. I mean, that's incredible. So I, I that defense, I don't think it's to be trifled with. I think this is a good test, not a great one, but I think this is a solid test going into the game next week. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what they need. And if they need a wake-up call, then they better be getting it early. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it'll be an interesting game. I think it might be tight for the first quarter. After that, I think they'll really start pulling away, yeah. if I'm being really honest with you. Um, but I haven't watched enough Texas State tape to know what's going on. I also know that Jake Spadaval, 
the new or Spadaval, how you pronounce it. I'm sorry. Um, that guy's no joke either. He right. spent a lot of time at Power Five at Power Five schools over the past eight to ten years. Right, and I was just going to bring up Spavital. See, uh, is uh, many of y'all might remember, uh, he was the offensive coordinator under Kevin Sumlin after uh, Cliff Kingsbury took the Tech job. And while Aggie fans might have a bad taste in their mouth from the Spavital years because we digressed after Johnny Manziel, uh, one thing that we do have to realize is his. Uh, reputation as an offensive uh as, as a powerful offensive mind it's something he can back up when he uh, did leave AM and got the uh coordinator job at uh, west virginia west virginia was a solid solid team oh yeah absolutely especially on, on the offensive side of the ball with uh their quarterback uh will greer, will greer uh, he was coaching will greer last year mm-hmm. i mean think about that Dana Holgerson was uh, they they had a powerful unit there uh, in West Virginia, and now he's uh, dipping his feet into the idea and the realms of he- the head coaching position. I think uh, he'll bring some new life to that Texas State team, and uh, I know Jimbo. Uh, he he has a lot of he has tremendous respect for Spavital. Uh, he knows he had a history here, and I I, I think it will be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do actually kind of like Brian's idea of. Uh, Texas State putting up 21. I hope that there aren't any fans out there who would see that and get worried, especially if, you know, the margin is, what, 30... Uh, it's 34 and a half. 34 and a half. Yeah, it was right now. So, you know, if, if the margin's that, I don't want people to react seeing Texas State put up 21. Well, is the A&M defense suspect? Not at all. I mean, Spavital is a solid offensive mind. Like we've emphasized, there's 19 returning starters to this Texas State squad. I know that they're a three and nine team, but like Brian said, a solid test, and I I, I think Kyle Field's going to be a rocking and a rolling, and we're going to have a good night come Thursday. Yep, I agree with you. And I think it's uh, like you said, he's coached Will Greer. He has an offensive mind. It'll be a good, solid little run through of what to expect. Uh, good offenses for a defensive backfield. Our defensive backfield have a chance to play as a unit. You know, and play against a formidable other opposing unit and see where they're at. So I I don't think we'll get to twenty. I think our defense and we'll do will be good enough to keep them underneath that. But I do see us winning by a lot. I uh just one last note that I'm gonna leave here is uh the reason why I said twenty one is that we we both know that the the starters aren't gonna be in there. Right, the that's entire, true. Gonna be that's they're, they're, they are gonna put backups in. Those backups mm-hmm. will get scored on. And uh, <laughs> it, it is it is what it is. They they're, they're backups, and yeah, they're some of those guys, guys and some of those guys are walk ons. So I mean, yeah. let's just be really let's just be completely real here. They're real here, they play at an SEC West school. Mm-hmm. All right, um, and I mean, once you start getting down in the depth chart, uh, quality of play does go down a bit. Uh, and, so you know, and then and Texas State will probably be trying to be throwing their starters in there the entire time. Yes, yeah. sir. So and that's we'll where that's where that good test goes into seeing how our depth works, because when you do get, uh, I know Jimbo's not wanting to focus on Clemson right now, but as a fan base, obviously, that's what we're looking (laughs) forward to. So that's where the true test comes, because we're going to need that depth, especially defensively, and uh, it's a good way to kind of wake them up going into the season. And that's it for our first podcast of the year, year two podcast. I've been Alec. 
And I'm Dylan. I would like to thank all of our fans for joining us, uh, for all of your support, and I'm looking forward to a great 2019 football season with y'all. Shout out, Brian. You guys have a great one. Gig'em. Gig'em.